Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. And I'm so glad you're here, babes. This podcast is all about opening up, having important conversations and celebrating successes, as well as overcoming obstacles to reign over our own lives. I love to chat to people and I always find things in these conversations to take away and use in my own life. So I really hope you'll find the same as well. Welcome to Rain. Heartstopper fans, if you love Charlie as much as I did, this episode is for you. As today we're joined by the man himself, Joe Locke, and he's even greater in real life. Joe beat 10,000 hopefuls to win his first ever on-screen role in the hit Netflix show, which follows his character Charlie as he falls for the school jock, Nick, played by Kit Connor. If you haven't seen the show yet, it's based on the graphic novels by Alice Oseman and you can head to Netflix to see it and it will make you feel all the feels and it's a joyful celebration of queer love. In this episode, Joe opens up about feeling like an outsider and how we need to call BS on that being a negative thing. He talks about tearing up the rule book about what a leading man should be and look like and he shares some super cute words on the incredible friendships he built on set. Like so many of you, this show means so much to me. So I hope you love listening to this episode with Joe as much as I did talking to him. Now, crowns at the ready. Let's rain. Well, hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Like, beyond excited. Because you are just so great in Heartstopper, like, it, oh, it's just such so a great sweet. performance. And I think it really spoke to me in a way because I saw so much of my younger self in that character. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like younger me needed a friend like Charlie. And I think so many people need a friend like Charlie in their lives. For you, what do you think Charlie's taught you? Charlie's taught me, like, so much about myself. I think I always thought I knew myself, but then doing Heartstopper and filming Heartstopper and both being Charlie and just living in that world for four months really taught me that I actually didn't really know myself, whereas now I'd say I know myself because of Charlie. I always say that, like, Charlie's, like, a more extroverted... No, I'm a more extroverted version of Charlie in my life. (laughs) And so I think living as a more introverted version of me as Charlie, that's very complicated, has taught me a lot about actual me. (laughs) If that makes any sense at all. That does make loads of sense. Really here for it. Introvert, extrovert. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We're coming out of our shells. It's Good. great. And I think that everyone yeah. needs a friend like that. And I think there's so many times in my life I wish I had a friend like that who's just so open to talking about their feelings, how they're doing, and going on a real exploration of like understanding yourself with someone. Yeah. When do you think having a friend like Charlie would have benefited you the most in your life? Um... I think when I was like start of high school, I think high school is such a place that like people who are different are like judged for that. And so to have a friend that sort of was a bit different too and also didn't really care that they're different would have helped me a lot. And I think I did have those people, but I think that a lot of my friends were Charlie and Charlie's friend group. Like my friend group was very much the same as Charlie's friend group when I was in school. So when did you find that community and that friendship group. I've got a friend who I was friends with. I've been friends with since I was, since I was four. We've been in every single same class and every single same thing. And so I think I've always had that consistent 
two friends who we've literally gone through the all of school together. We do the same subjects. It's quite weird, actually. Um, but so I think I've always had them. But I think a lot of it was sort of figuring out who I was as well to then let myself do that and be me properly. So mm. I think probably year seven, eight and nine was like a bit of a blur. I don't really remember it, probably for a good good reason. But year 10, 11, I really felt more confident in myself and more more who I was. Mm. When did you first feel confident in yourself in that sense? Oh, I mean, probably... Properly confident? I don't know. But fake confident? I was always very good at being fake confident, which I think is very like Charlie. He's he's confident in ways that I couldn't be confident and I'm confident in ways that he couldn't be confident. Like Charlie, I could never join a rugby team for someone I liked that Charlie can and I could never ask someone who I liked if they wanted to kiss me, but Charlie could, whereas I could easily get up in a room of people and start like telling jokes or could easily go out and ask people for directions and things which i think is is good but yeah there's i think i've probably felt confident for for the first time properly when i was like 15 or 16 Mm. and i guess that confidence really shows on screen now and i just can't actually believe that this is your first proper on-screen role it's just (laughs) mind-blowing how good you are in it and the fact that it's your first time on screen when you reflect back to that first day on set how nervous were you what was going through your head and how did you find that confidence to go out there and deliver the performance that you did oh I was terrified because like I'd never been in any sort of situation like that and so it was me. I remember the first scene we did was me, Toby, and Will on the benches in episode one, where Tao brings Elle's apple juice, and um, it was that was the first time scene we did. So it was outside, and me, Toby, and Will were walking from my dressing rooms outside, and walked outside, and there was like sixty people just stood there in a crane and like this huge like digger thing that had like some reflective light stuff on, and we were all just like, "Oh, what the what the what what the fuck? like what are we doing? What is happening?" <laughs> and that was like the moment where I was like, oh my God, this is actually like happening to me. Like this is, my dreams are coming true. This is always what I've wanted to do. And now it's actually happening. And so I think that mm. I'd always been determined to, in my life, I've always been determined to do what I want to do. And and so it was sort of a bit of a surreal moment to for it to actually be happening. And I guess it must have been so amazing to be stepping into that set and knowing you're going to tell this very special story because it is such a special story it's about queer people it shows that they deserve love or deserving of love and it's there's so much joy around it and I think in so many of these narratives there isn't necessarily that level of focus on joy and I think it's so amazing to show that on screen that queer people are just as much deserving of love as anyone else how amazing has that been for you to bring that to the screen and how transformative has that been in your own life as well it's been so great i think that we're sort of at the start of a boom of a lot of queer television which is amazing but i think that our show breaks more boundaries in that it's a more positive focus show i think there's been so many shows recently that have shows shown the more negative history or aspects of queer life and the queer experience but there hasn't been one that has been based in joy and i sort of i always see our show as telling more darker issues from an optimistic point of view like you can always see the end, light at the end of the tunnel you can always see that it's going to be okay 
And I think that's such a a new experience to, to have in television, especially for television that's aimed at teenagers and younger teenagers and people who are still figuring themselves out, um, which is so great. And also that the Quay tar- characters are pushed to the front. Like I don't really can't really remember a TV show that I watched when I was younger that didn't ha- that had queer characters as the main characters. If they were to be queer characters, they'd be the best friend or the side character or mm. or, or the comic relief character. Whereas it's so wonderful to be part of something in which the queer characters are the are the main characters. It's their story, un- un- unapologetically so. When do you think this show would have helped you the most seeing it? as an audience member? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think it's quite universal helpful. I think people can find help in it from any age and any aspect. Because I think sexuality and and knowing yourself and anything that makes you different is something that you can figure out at any point in life Mm. and shouldn't be something that you feel like, oh, well, now I'm over 20, so obviously I, I can't go and explore that side of me. I think that it would have helped me when I was younger and would help me throughout the school years, even just like to know that me and my friend group weren't the weird ones. Actually, we're the, we're like everyone else. Actually, there's other people who are the weird ones. We're not, we're like, weird is good. Weird is normal. Weird is, everyone's weird. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because I think there's so much emphasis placed on in life being an outsider and actually being an outsider can be a really powerful position to be in it's not always necessarily a negative thing being an outsider right have you found that yeah and i also think that like being an outsider is seen as not the norm when actually it is the norm like all the films you see it's always the outsiders group is the main Mm. characters it's always never the popular people because the popular people are like 10 there's only like 10 of them for in each year group like the idolized group of people so everyone else is an outsider so it's the norm to be an outsider it's not the norm to be one of these quote-unquote popular kids Mm. 100% and it's all that journey to finding your allies as well isn't yeah. it and finding those people who you can be comfortable yeah, with yeah definitely and that is seen so amazingly on screen and it's so great it seems that you guys have this incredible friendship off screen as well which must have it must really help you yeah how is yeah, yeah, yeah. how has the friendships you built on Heartstopper helped you I mean it's been so great I think it's such a unique experience to go through together that it's so nice to have other people who can understand it and, and, and are going through it too and you can talk to about it and that's just the most lovely people. Like I think I've found people that will be friends and close friends with for the rest of my life. And it's so lovely to feel part of something with such a lovely group of people. Mm. And we're like at the point in our friendships now where we're just like so comfortable in each other's presence and can talk really about anything to each other. And it's so nice to have that like support network there. Yeah, I think I think I don't know what magic Daniel Edwards, the casting director, is having in his life, but he has a skill of putting the most amazing people together. Mm. And when there's so many scenes that people have become absolutely obsessed with, but there must have been some really incredible moments that weren't filmed yeah. as well that will really stay with you. What's a moment that really stuck with you and you'll keep with you forever from filming that first season? I mean, there's so many. I think there was a time when we were at the bowling alley scene and me and Yaz were stood just waiting to go on and she just turned to me and was like, we're going to be friends forever, right? And I was like, yeah. And then she just gave me a big hug. 
it was just really sweet and it was so lovely and it was such a nice culmination of sort of like everything we'd done and it was just it makes me feel all warm and warm and cuddly every time I think of that moment. Mm, that's such an amazing moment to carry around with you. It must. That's so special. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's so fun. It's very sweet. Yaz is very, very sweet. And I guess as well, when you're dealing with an overnight fame, those friendships are so important for keeping you grounded, keeping you <laughs> on the straight and narrow, understanding what's going on and having people to talk to about it as well. Because it must be crazy to be having this level of success right now while you're still at home, doing your A-levels, doing all these normal things in the same environment mm-hmm. that you were in before. God. How great is it to have that level of success but also still be in such a familiar space in in unfamiliar times, really? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very grounding. It's definitely keeping my head on the ground and to have, like, me and Kit always, like, we'll keep each other in check, be like, if anything happens, it's nice to have each other to talk to about it and... Both as well. Have or I've got my first A level in four days, so that's something that's definitely keeping my head on the ground. It, well, actually, in a textbook, but yeah. But um, it's so nice to have. I was going to say it's so nice to have my A levels to sort of keep me grounded, but it's not. I, they're awful, and I hate them. <laughs> but it's nice to sort of have that sense of normality to hang on to. Otherwise, I'm scared. I'd be scared that my head would just be out in space. But I'm very ready for them to be over. I just love how exams have become an escapism for you. That's that, that's hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, I actually can't wait for them to be over. I say they're escapism, but I think I'm slightly grateful to be back at school in a sort of a last sense of normality before I try and take this journey and make what I can with it. Mm. But also, hopefully I won't ever need my A-levels, so part of me is like, what's really the point? <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm sure you're not going to need them, but it's always good to have <laughs> yeah. them in the back pocket. Yeah. Amongst the real positives to success, there is obviously the downsides to it in the sense that there's trolls, there's negativity that you see. How have you managed that aspect. Yeah, I think it's all about like setting boundaries for yourself and sort of figuring out what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with because I found that once you get into the book eye, everyone wants a piece of you, whether that's good or bad. And so it's just sort of about feeling comfortable to say no is something that's really hard and I've had to get used to. And I, I'm, I'm a person who, I hate the idea that I've let anyone down. But it's that idea that you, it's okay to let people down because you have you have to put your own mental health above above everything else and and it, it's something that definitely I'm still getting used to and and like looking not I I think on the first few weeks I sort of found myself looking for the bad comments and looking for things that would upset me I don't know why but I think it's a very natural human thing that people do um, and so I think I've definitely I found I don't I don't look I don't look at really twitter as much anymore because or tiktok or my instagram because i find that i find it a bit overwhelming and i find it quite quite a lot and that doesn't mean that i can't see all the nice things people are saying i just i just have to do it in in measures otherwise it'll just become a little bit overwhelming i'll never turn off my phone and i'll never live my life which is not good (laughs) but um yeah i think it's amazing the reaction show has been incredible and it's been so 
nice to have the show get its attention, but it's also been a little bit overwhelming as well. But it's so nice to have like Kit and Will and Yaz and Bash and Toby and everyone to sort of talk to about that and you can understand it as well. Mm. I think that's what's so special about the show as well. When I was watching it, I thought it was so great that there's this group of teenagers who are talking so openly and honestly about their feelings. And it's such a kind of undercurrent to the show, but it's so powerful in that way. They're all talking about their feelings all the time. And I think it really shows how empowering, open and honest chats can be, right? Have you found that in your own life too? Yeah, I think I think if anything, it's it's an authentic portrayal of like the Gen Z generation because I think that in my teenage years, I, I've noticed that as we've got older and as society's moved on, people are more honest about their emotions, and and, and it's a great thing. I think that it shows that society's changing into in a way that people are more open about their mental health, and I think that as Alice, the writer, is so young and so so involved in 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 her generation that it's an authentic sort of portrayal of the teenage experience as well but I think that also shows like Heartstopper are part of that change and and help make that change even more if we show a positive portrayal of someone talking about their mental health and talking about how they're feeling then hopefully that would help other people start to go on that journey and start to sort of become more open about their feelings Hmm. And it also encourages people to not only be open and honest about their mental health, but to be honest and open about their identity and to not fit into the constricted boxes that we've had placed throughout the whole of time, basically, on people. Like, if you're a boy, you need to be like this. If you're, like, a masculine yeah. jock, you need to look like this. Like, it really challenges so many outdated, yeah, yeah, yeah. old-school stereotypes. What kind of stereotypes do you think have been placed on you at different times and you've really pushed through and pushed to a side i think being a teenager there's lots of like stereotypes of oh you you can't try at school because that's 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 not cool it's not cool to sort of care about your education and so i definitely i was always the kid who really did care about my education and really did try at school as much as i tried to make it look like i didn't um and so i think that that was definitely a stereotype that i overcame and i think it's something that charlie overcomes as well i think he maybe previous to the season has sort of he knows himself i think that there's so many stories about like queer people coming out and getting to themselves but there's not enough about like charlie's experience is a universal universally relatable experience to a lot of queer people and that he's out but now what like that doesn't mean that everything's magically okay it just means that it's another he's more himself and, and he's out in school but that doesn't make school any less difficult and so it's so great that we've been able to sort of tell that story as well, of going overcome those stereotypes of, of when Charlie, he's the only out gay kid in school. And so that for him, that's that's something that he overcomes and he sort of gets used to as well. Because I think that although you might be over the stereotype, not everyone around you is, and people may still see you as that. And so Charlie goes on this journey of figuring himself out, but then figuring out how to navigate what other people think of him. I think that's so true because I've always said that like coming out for me was never just a moment. It's not like, I think there's this whole idea that coming out is like that and then it's like, bam, it's done. But you're constantly kind of coming out in different ways yeah. every single day. Even if even if you're not queer, there's moments when you come out about yourself 
about what's mm. going on inside your brain, your mind, your identity. And I think that's such a powerful thing you've just said that coming out is a completely, it's an ongoing process and it's never actually finished, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that that's what's like, such a great thing to show that, but we, in Heartstopper, we show both Nick's journey and also Charlie's journey. Charlie's journey is what it's like afterwards, whereas Nick's journey is sort of the start of it. And it's so great that Charlie's able to sort of be there for him and, and let him take his time. Because I think that people sort of rush before they're ready sometimes. And it's such, it, it's a big thing coming out. It's a big thing sort of telling people who you are. And so it's such a great that Charlie is there for Nick in a reassuring and, and gentle way. And he doesn't ever like rush him to make those decisions and he never puts what he thinks onto Nick and that's such an important thing and important healthy thing to show queer kids and friends of queer kids and allies and and everyone really take your time so don't rush yeah and I think it's important to take that time to discover yourself and discover who you are right like everyone needs that time everyone should be afforded yeah that time to do it without feeling a level of pressure Definitely, definitely. And then when we turn our attention to, I think everyone is so chomping at the bit for the second season already, and they've just even had the first season. They're all rewatching it. They're all loving it. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting that when I was looking into the storylines that could happen in the second season, I, I think it's so interesting that the comics really deal with Charlie's eating disorder, which I think is such a powerful thing we need to bring to the screen. There needs to be more representation around stories showing the journey's men go on with their bodies because there's not enough of that is that something you'd be really excited to explore and to bring it to the screen in the way that Heartstopper does yeah I think I think definitely I think eating disorders whenever they're shown on screen are really shown from a more like a really dark and quite scary light and I'll show what it's done so greatly in season one is show issues that have previously been portrayed as a dark and scary and thing from an optimistic way. And so you like for Charlie's eating disorder and for eating disorders in general, I think it's going to be really great if we're able to show that journey from an optimistic lens and a lens that you always know he's going to get better from that. You always know it's going to be okay. And whether that means that it doesn't mean that the, the negative aspect is diminished, but I think it, it definitely would help people who are going through that and that actually they can get through this and they can overcome this, this thing. And so I think I'd be really excited to to portray that in that lens, in, in that way. Mm. And it, everyone goes on a journey with their bodies, right? And it's great to show that on screen yeah. in some format, because there isn't enough of that kind of conversation around male body image at all. Like, you don't really, it's not really discussed publicly, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's not definitely not enough as it should be. And I think, like people assume that you need to be like this sort of... Well, I saw I saw a, um, a... I don't know, it was a Tumblr thing. It was like, oh, thank God they haven't cast the conventionally attractive um, six-pack white male as their leads, which I get as a compliment, but it's a very backhanded compliment. But, um, and it's... I mean, I, they're right. I mean, it's exactly that. It's the, That's not the norm. That's not the norm at all. And we need to show more of the norm and what is normal because I think that, especially on, like, big... TV shows, unrealistic body images are shown as the norm. And also, like, who decided that was what we deem as attractive? Who was decided that what's, that's what we deem as good? Like, 
That's a lot of effort to look, to have mm. a little bit more muscle. It's just a lot of effort. Oh my God, I mean, I'm not even willing to put in the bloody effort. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, I'd rather enjoy my let's life. Let's just try and redefine what is normal to make it a lot easier for ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> You've touched on this so well. And I think that Heartstopper has really brought some really amazing topics to the screen in a way we haven't really seen before. And when you think about the legacy of the show and what it's doing right now and the conversations it's starting, what are you proudest of? I think there's like, there's two prongs to this, I think. The first one being I'm so proud that our show has been able to change people's lives. And I've seen so many comments about like people thanking us for creating a show that finally shows them on the screen and shows... Because I think that a lot of people don't really see themselves in media and don't see themselves portrayed on screen, which is quite a damaging thing. I think that straight people grow up seeing many versions of them on the TV and queer people sort of clutch at straws when they get a little glimpse of themselves on TV. So I think that's that's what I'm very proud of. But also that our show has become mainstream and that it's available in countries that aren't necessarily as far on their journey as acceptance as we are, and that the young queer kid in Saudi Arabia can see that actually I'm not the one who's wrong here, it's my country and their laws that are wrong. I'm okay, I'm, I am who, who I am. And obviously it's a different situation there because they, they can't be who they are, but they sh- it's, it's so great to know that we can show them that they're not wrong, even if they can't be themselves for now, even if they can't be themselves as well while, while their country's in that state. Mm. It must be so special to not only be part of something that is changing your life and giving you this new platform, a new sense of your voice, a new sense of your identity, at the same time as you're changing other people's lives too. That must bring you so much joy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's quite a surreal feeling, but also I'm just very grateful that we've been able to do that for people and I'm very grateful that I've been able to be a tiny part of that because all the credit should go to Alice who who is the creator and writer and mastermind behind it all and yeah I just feel very grateful to be a part of it. When you look back to that first meeting with Alice and you think about all the things you achieved now what conversations did you have in those moments when you first started on this journey because it must just have been it must have felt so small at that point and now it's so big in a way yeah i think we always knew we were making something special i think we all everyone on set really really wanted to create something special and was very um confident that we were going to create something special but i didn't think we ever i think we all thought it would be something special but small people would watch it but it'd be special and small and maybe some people would like it and maybe it would open up some conversations but i i don't think we ever ever thought that it would get the reception it has. I don't even think Netflix thought it would get the reception it has. And so that's really, really, really great. And I'm just, yeah, it's a very surreal and slightly overwhelming, but incredible, incredible feeling. Mm, it's amazing. And I've literally loved talking to you about the show because I love you. it I love so much. I love you in it oh, thank so you. much. And I just can't wait to see more of you on our screens but before you go we always ask everyone this question okay in the reign of your life what is the one rule you'll always live by what is that rule joe for you 
Worrying means you suffer twice, so don't worry about anything. Oh, I love that one. That's what. That's the one. I love that one. Giving you two by it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to get that whacked yeah. on the t-shirt ASAP. It's like literally what I live by. <laughs> Are you less of a worrier now? Then do you not worry so much? I'm. I'm. I. I feel like. I don't worry about anything, which is really bad. Well, no, I do, but like. I try not to. So if I try not to, then I won't as much. But I, I used to worry about everything. And every, every, everything. But now I think I just, I just worry about things that really probably I should be worrying about. Like my A-levels. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just trying not to think about them. So, yeah. I love that. Well, you go <laughs> and slay those exams like you've slayed this first season of Heartstopper because we love to see it. So thank you so much for joining me, Joe. Well, Jane. thank you. I will try. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of Rain. I really hope you found something to take away from this episode. And if you have, let me know. You can always get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. I love to hear from you. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcast from. And more importantly, please share this with someone you think needs to hear it. Let's get those convos going and I'll see you next time. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.